so the thing is like if you do the right thing people will think there is a strategy behind it but actually you are just doing the right thing so for us the right strategy is find the creative people we appreciate and ask them to give feedback on your product and help you understand like how to run this business as well so that it always appeals to the creative people because we are building atoms for creative people who do meaningful things in their life that's what kasali the co-founder of atoms the one and only shoe for every day Wakas started building startups and businesses in Pakistan after discovering the internet and realizing you could sell products online. While there were a ton of insurmountable challenges, Wakas and his co-founder Sidra persevered, launching a custom dress shoe company called Marhor. The pair eventually made it to the US, ran a massive Kickstarter campaign, and got into YC on their second attempt. Today, Wakas and Sidra are at it again, working on an everyday shoe for the new creatives called Adams. What Wakas is talking about here, and what we dive into over the course of the episode, is how really talking to your customers and using their feedback to craft the right product and story will eventually lead you to the right launch strategy. This is Hack to Start, a podcast that focuses on amazing people who have an interesting story or perspective to share, and their insights on how they got to the level of success they have today. I'm Franco Variano. And today we're speaking with Wakas Ali, the co-founder of Adams, the one and only shoe for every day. Wakas joins us to share his story, how he discovered the internet and startups in his home country of Pakistan, all the challenges they had to go through just to start a company, his advice for getting into YC, what really goes into creating a product and story, how they've approached launching Adams, and much more. So let's get started. Hey, Wakas. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Hi, Franco. Very excited to be here. Actually, this is my first podcast interview. I have been invited before, but I always thought it's never the right time because I always wanted to speak when I have something to say. So figure you think that now is the time. No way. That's very exciting. I'm honored to have you on as the first of many podcasts, I'm sure, especially with what you're up to with Adams. But before we get too far into that, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Where are you from and what did you study? I was born and raised in a small town in Pakistan. And growing up, I had some ambitions. I think the biggest ambition I at that time I had was becoming a medical doctor because most parents in Pakistan or India, they think that way. But as I was growing up and going towards my college, my grades were not the best. I was always a B plus B guy, never the A plus guy. So I somehow got into a really good college in Lahore where I was studying physics. And I did study physics for almost two years in college in Lahore. But then I found the internet during my college days. And it was that time when I was fascinated by how powerful this tool was. And I started spending more time on learning about what internet is, what digital media is, and how the world works in this new communication tool and ended up dropping out of college. Actually, before dropping out, I ended up starting my first company in college, which was like learning how to use internet and teaching people how to use internet. That startup was not a good success. Not many people know about that, but that is something which gave me a big breakthrough to connect with craftsmen, which eventually got me into the shoe business. That's really cool. So where did your passion for startups and e-commerce really come from? So when I was in college, several times in during my college years, I almost believed that I was going to fail in life. And that was really tough. I was not interested in my classes. I was very uh, upset. I was not doing well financially. So there was such a lot of pressure on me. Like every single day, I would just like start my day and every day would be like a fight. I need to make sure my grades are good. And I hated going to classes. 
I needed to make sure that I earned some extra money to sustain myself in Lahore. And I hated those jobs because they would never pay me enough, like which I think I deserved at that time, That what I felt. And during that time, I wanted to do something like, not something big, but I just wanted to do something where I can just put a lot of energy and something will come out of that. And I had no idea that startup is something or startup is a world or there's an ecosystem of startup in the US or anywhere. So I started my first company without knowing that it is a startup or it led me to a startup. So I think to answer your question, it was not that I was looking at other startups. It was just like I was reading these stories in in, in library about companies like Zappos and Google and how not only like uh, people from the U.S. and the West are making great things, but also like how people from developing countries, Asia, India, and other parts of the world are making things happen. So I was very fascinated by that opportunity, which internet helped me get into. That's very inspiring. So how did you manage to really get further into the startup world and what led you to coming to the U.S.? While we were running our first company, which was more like a social media agency, but we were also trying to build our own tool. And I was learning HTML and CSS at that time just to better work with programmers. We met with this group of craftsmen in my village and they were making these beautiful handcrafted shoes. And we told them like, actually, it was actually a very interesting conversation which started from a Facebook. They were against Facebook and they were against internet. And I told them it is not like that. And I told them that you could sell your own products on the internet. You could even sell your shoes you make. And then it was just an idea. And then we became serious about helping them sell their shoes on Facebook. We could not get started at that time. We needed $250 actually each to start the business. And I did not have $250. So we could not start at that time. But I kept thinking about that idea. And then finally, I and my co-founder Sidra and I, we managed to raise some money. We both did some jobs to save some money. And we started off with a couple of hundred dollars. And we spent some of that money into applying to different business programs, going from the idea. So our goal was to go from idea to reality like as quickly as possible. And that was a big breakthrough when we we won a small grant of $8,000 in, in Pakistan and we just spent that money on our shoe business and we were not just spending money on Facebook but we actually learned what shoes is why people buy shoes I mean not as good we were at that time but we were still learning very hard like how to start a business from scratch literally from scratch in a country like Pakistan there was no PayPal we could not buy a domain directly we did not have a credit card or debit card to buy things online so it was really really I mean now I look back it's very interesting but at that time it was very first frustrating and also like it was very challenging to start that and because I did not like anything else this much so I just kept going like this is what it is this is where we can make our own decision and we can we can not depend on too many people and we still do something so we started this business from our hometown and we named our company hometown and we were starting hometown we sold seven shoes in first month and then we did not have too many sales so we would write a handwritten note to every customer who would buy shoes from us sometimes we would ask our customer to pay us through western union or any other like paypal to our friends and, and things like that so it was it was tough at that time but we kept going and then somehow someone was visiting Pakistan and they asked, they were in our office and they were, hey, do you know Tony Shea from Zappos? I, and I told them, yeah, you know Tony Shea. I love his book and I love this Zappos story. So she connected us with some people at Tony Shea's new project, Downtown Project. So in 2014, they invited us to come visit Downtown Vegas. So Downtown Vegas is a new project by the CEO of Zappos, which is the biggest shoe startup story. I got in downtown and my goal was to visit Zappos head offices and all those places for seven days and then go back to Pakistan. But I ended up staying in the U.S. for about 55 days. And during that time, we registered our company in the U.S. And I was able to actually raise our initial small seed amount of money. I, we raised $30,000 
during my dad time when I was in, in, in the Silicon Valley. So then I went back to Pakistan and we changed our business name from hometown into Markhor. So the goal was to make the best quality handcrafted shoes in Pakistan and sell them directly to the customer. Not like working with any factory or anything, working directly with the craftsmen, buying leather, helping them with design and telling them the story of the customer and showing them what the quality was. And also like helping them like somehow uh, lift. Like if person is making a shoes that they get paid like, for example, like $5 and you help them like make better quality shoes and you pay them like $12. That's a huge boost for them. So that was our goal at that time with the craftsmen. And then we did a Kickstarter campaign because now we were an American company. We could do a Kickstarter campaign. So we launched a Kickstarter campaign at, at the end of 2014. And then we raised over $100,000 on Kickstarter. And then our Kickstarter campaign was delayed. I mean, our delivery was delayed one month. And this is interesting. Over Kickstarter, if your campaign is six months delayed, it's all right. It's pretty common, actually. Most Kickstarter projects, they just like almost never deliver because it's so hard to make something and ship it to so many people. So we were one month late and we at that time, like we had this in our DNA that we never thought of about like our customers, like as like a large number of people or a large number. We always thought about our customer. Hey, James from Paris or William from Ireland or from San Francisco. So like we always like had the actual names of our customer in our mind, mind, mind whenever we were making decisions. So like, hey, these guys, they backed our Kickstarter campaign. Can we do something for them? So we decided to send me to the US to ship shoes to these some of these backers in person. So I flew to San Francisco again because this time I had the US visa. So I came back to US and then I, I showed up at people's home with their Marco shoes and I got connected with so many of those friends and I made some new friends at that time. We also applied at Y Combinator at the same time. Actually, we also applied at YC when everything was an idea and we applied again after our Kickstarter success. And we passionately told about YC, about our, not our struggle, but more like our way of hacking things up and to get to where we are. So we became the first shoe company or first like physical fashion product company without like any huge tech component or a platform tech component. So we applied at YC, we got into YC. And then my co-founder and I, we moved to, Mountain View as well for YC program. So that was the start of a small shoe project from a small village in Pakistan to getting into YC. And of course, there was a lot which happened in, in, in those two, three years, but this was a big breakthrough for us. Yeah, absolutely. What an incredible story. I mean, I, I couldn't even imagine having to face some of those additional challenges that you know you were faced with and had to figure out a way to overcome. So that that in and of itself is pretty incredible right there. So this is something which we learned recently. I mean, which now I look back and I learned. So whenever you start something new, there are like real challenges. Like there are some like real world challenges. World does not work that way. So you cannot do that. And that's why many times people give up. So when we were starting from Pakistan to ship a pair of shoes from Pakistan to the US, it would cost $120. And we were selling shoes for $130 in total. So we were not making any money. We were losing money on every order because shipping was so expensive and we still kept going. We we knew that if people will buy shoes from us and they will keep buying and they will like our company and our product, then we can hopefully solve this shipping problem one day. But if they don't like and they don't believe in a, a buying up from a startup in Pakistan, then there is no reason to do that. So many times, like there are real reasons, like expensive shipping to not start something or like it could be any other reason to not do something. And those reasons will be valid. But at that time, I think you have to look beyond the immediate reaction, immediate response or immediate result. So like that is something which people say like, hey, having a long-term strategy is one of the best competitive advantage you can have even within with yourself too. 
Yeah, really well said. And so diving into the story of reapplying to YC, can you tell us what that experience was like and any advice? Yeah, so when we applied at YC for the first time in 2000, around 2012, start of 2012, our English was not good. We did not know what we were doing. We had no business, no idea, nothing. And we did not get even invited for the interview. We did not pass that stage because YC is probably the most competitive program in the world of that sort. So when we applied second time, we were already in the business from Pakistan to a U.S. company, to a Kickstarter campaign, who is talking to their customers quite a lot. So YC saw all that progress. So if you are a founder and you want to apply into YC or if you want to talk to an investor, if you want to talk to a mentor or potential partners, my advice is like, don't go and talk to them like when you are super prepared and everything. Talk to them like right now and just keep them in loop. Don't like be so too aggressive, but keep them in loop with your progress and make some progress because most people, even like YC and even I think in relationship, people invest in in the growth. When they see you growing, it's not like how much you have grown, but it is like they want to see like you have grown. So instead of showing someone like, hey, this is a big evidence of my success, if you can show them like, hey, this is how I how much we have grown. And sometimes you don't grow in numbers, but you grow on the quality side, you grow on the mental side, or you go on the thinking side. So that is something also you want to demonstrate. And that is something we did with YC, I guess. Wow, that's some really good advice. So as mentioned, you're actually the founder of two startups, Marhor, which is the Craftsman dress shoes that we talked about, and now Adams. So what's Adams all about? And what motivated you to launch this second brand? So when we were starting off from Pakistan, we always thought that everyone in the in the US or in the West or like they wear dress shoes. Still there are a large number of people all over the world who wear dress shoes every single day. Once we got into YC, we had many people buying our shoes, but they were not wearing them as much. They would only wear them like every once a week or every couple of times a month. And they would mostly wear these Nike, Adidas or other sneakers. And this is something which we also learned. Like if you make if you sell a knife to be used in a kitchen and like people are not using your knife, they're using something else to cut their vegetables, then your product is not good, even if they are buying your your product. So this is something like which I, I feel like many times founders ignore. They just focus too much on like how many sales they have made, not as much like how many people are actually using their products. No matter how big or small that number is, that needs to grow. So we were looking, people are buying our Marco shoes, which are made in Pakistan dress shoes, but they are not wearing them every day. So that is like from where the idea of like, hey, can we get make our shoes in a way that people wear every single day? But then we thought even more deeply about this. And we questioned what would be the future of the shoe industry and who are the companies defining the future? Like who is the Tesla of shoe industry? And answer came back to like Nike and Adidas and the large number of resources they have so they can define the future. And then we asked ourselves, hey, it's not like a coincidence that we came from all the way from Pakistan to now Silicon Valley. We have many resources now. We cannot complain. So can we actually make a serious effort to define the future of the shoe industry? A good effort? So that is from where this idea came. Can we make the actual shoe better, like actual shoe rather than like making different colors, different styles, different fashion brands or this or that? Can we make the actual shoe better for the customer? And then can we keep doing that for many, many years? That is like which became the idea of like atoms of our brand. And the reason we named our company Atoms is because we are so serious about the product that we will go to an atomic level to make the product better. So that is this whole idea of making an ideal everyday shoe for the world came, which is Atoms. 
That's amazing and exciting. And on that mission to make the best shoe possible, you guys have had a bit of a unique launch or even pre-launch. So can you tell us exactly, you know, what stage you guys are kind of at and why you decided to go down this specific road? One thing we learned was like all the best products, they have a great story. Many times what founders do is they make a product and then they are trying to figure out like what is the story. Actually, many companies in Silicon Valley now they're doing the same. Direct-to-consumer startups start off and then they are like figuring out what the story is. But best products are stories first and their products second, or maybe they goes hand in hand. So what we did was we once we had this idea, we wrote an email. Many people in our network, mostly like people who work in art, design, and creativity. Because we thought a lot about who our ideal customer should be for this new thing. And we thought about that person, creative person who works. Either they could be a copywriter, artist, curator at a museum, or someone who works in, in the kitchen, someone who works in a wine shop, someone who, who is a designer at Instagram, creative director at a studio, sound mixer, or these kind of people. So before even working on the Atoms idea, we wrote a document about what the world would look like and how our product will fit into this. So we wrote that document and we also shared that document with different people and we got feedback on that document. This is something which uh, I now found is actually many other people do and even Amazon does is before working on something, uh, going too deeply into a feature or into a new product, just write about it and then share it with people like, will it excite you if we do this? And they can give you feedback on your essay or on your note rather than giving you feedback on the actual feature. It is very helpful. And that brought us towards like building a list of people who are interested in trying on Atoms. So more people were reaching out to us, hey, can we try Atoms? So what we did was we built a type form where we would ask you what your name is, what your email is, what your shoe size is. But we would also ask you like, what are your current everyday shoes and what are your main use cases? Because we were narrow, narrowing down like, you can make different shoes for different things, like for hiking and all these kind of things. What we found was Atoms should be ideal everyday shoes, which means they should be ideal for walk, long-standing hours, and daily commute. Commute means some little bit bike riding or driving a car or going into a subway or train. So that is like we made our ideal shoes for that. So we would ask you what your main use cases are, what your shoe size is, what other shoe sizes you wear, and we would like go and work even more on our product after getting feedback from those people. And we would also spend a lot of time uh, actually at Nike and Adidas store. So my co-founder Sidra and I, we would go and we would sit at Nike store for hours and hours. This is actually advice Paul Graham gave us at YC. He asked us like, go to Stanford shopping mall and see why people buy shoes. So we started asking people like why they buy shoes and we started noticing things. We actually have a term for our customer. We call them the new creative. So we would see the new creative coming to Nike store and they are trying to buy us shoes. And we ask them, we will ask them like which kind of shoes they want, why they have not picked one shoe yet, what, what are they looking for? And that feedback was very helpful. For, for, for example, there is no logo on our shoes at all. Like, there is no branding of Atoms on the shoes because we learned that the new creatives, they don't want to show logos of their products. They just want to be very focused on like um, who they are and, and not just signal too much about like which brands they are supporting or which kind of logos they are wearing. And they don't, don't like the idea of someone using their feet as like their billboard. So that's like, that's why we have no logo on our shoes. And that's why we have these unique laces on our shoes because we talked with our customers and uh, we were building the list at the same time. That got us towards like launching our product hunt upcoming page, which became a really, really good tool. So we, when people would ask us, hey, my friends wants to buy Atoms, where should I point them to? And we would tell them like, go to Atoms product hunt page and they will find information. 
So we would take people's email, but we also ask for their shoe size, their current shoes, and their use cases. So always engaging more than what they what they would think. That's really cool, and there are a ton of insights in there. But given the success you've had with Kickstarter before, why not just go back there? So there's different ways to launch a product, and depending on like how much money and the existing brand awareness you have, people do different things. What we think is you should figure out what your product is and you should figure out like who your ideal one customer is. And you should know them by the name. You should actually have their picture on their desk when you're making a product for them or like in your mind. So because it was not all over on the social media, we were just like, it was just an insider thing. So people were telling their friends about Atoms and they would go and go to Product Hunt and they would give us a lot of information about their existing shoe experience. In return, we would give them information. We would share with them like, hey, this is from where the idea of Atom started. This is who we are. This is how we hired our first team members. And this is like how we found our factory in Korea after seven months. And people love these kind of stories coming from the makers of the product they wear so that they know like it's not just selling shoes. This is a new story. And if they like the product, they want to become part of that story. That is like from where. So this is like doing kind of Kickstarter thing, but it's like not Kickstarter. So if I would like just invite you to my website and I ask you, hey, Franco, we want to sell you these shoes. No. Hey, Franco, this is what we are building. And this is the problem you have. And this is how we are trying to solve it. Does it make sense? And if it makes sense, then we have a deal. I think that's what we were trying to do. That's really cool. And so with both brands, you guys have gone down the e-commerce direct-to-consumer model. Is that something you want to keep doing? Or is it just a strategy for starting out? We love e-commerce. If there was no e-commerce, I would not be sitting here talking to you. So e-commerce definitely works. I think also retail could work too. On the retail side, especially if you have a story to tell and you have like a cool product. So atoms are like very different. We will likely go into retail because we have this unique product which people want to experience and which people want to see. This is something which I, I like about Apple. Apple is the one company we follow a lot and we don't just follow them what they are today, but we also follow them the history and how they started off. And when Steve was thinking about the idea of like launching a store for Apple, it was not just an idea of, oh, we should have a place where people can buy our products. Actually, he wanted to show Apple products in their full glory so that they can turn some people in their evangelist. And that is like, I think, what we would do if we would go into retail and we have plans to do. Uh, actually, we have some, right now, we have not even launched, but we have been asked to do pop-up different areas. So we are working on the pop-up store uh, this year and we will do that. So we will be working on different experiments on like what's the best way to show our product in offline experience and, and then eventually going into offline retail. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really looking forward to seeing what lessons you take out of the pop-ups that you're planning to do and how you continue to grow. Yeah, so right now, like I think there are two goals which we have right now. One is to get to 10,000 customers as quickly as possible, just on the base of the product and doing some marketing on the side. So that is like goal number one, making our first 10,000 customers very, very happy. It's not like selling 10,000 shoes, it's making 10,000 people very, very happy and doing whatever it takes. So that is the goal number one. The goal number two is hiring good people and building a world-class team. This is something which we have learned a lot to like all those years. We have been working at Marhor and then before even that. I think at the end of the day, the quality of your thinking matters a lot and the taste of the people you work with matters a lot because they will be making so many decisions, especially in, in physical products for your product. When I look at different physical products companies, there's very simple thing like why one company is better than the other company. Actually, it answer comes to like the taste. 
good companies, the people who run those good companies, they have really good taste in the, in the product, in, in, in the world. They share their taste through their product. I think that's what the artists do. So we are trying to learn that as much like how we can improve and grow our taste and also share that taste with the world through our product and, and, and then just make people very happy uh, beyond the shoes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Maybe diving into that a little bit more, specifically with the first point, getting to 10,000 passionate customers. What tactics or channels are you using to grow and get towards that milestone? Over the course of years, like we have had so many creative people buy our shoes and also got connected to us. So we were giving them sample pairs. And then they asked us, like a friend actually asked us, hey, I love your shoes and I really like them. Can I also share these with my community? And we have not even launched and we cannot make too many shoes at the moment. We shared our password protected website with them and we shared our password with them for 24 hours. So they shared that password with their community and we got so many orders from just one tweet about Atoms. And now we are making sure that that creative who shared Atoms in his community or in her community, their member are well served and we tell them that that we value that they came to us and we value what they do and what that creative person does so that is like our i think launch strategy is it's not launch strategy it's like the right thing to do what we feel so the thing is like if you do the right thing people will think there's a strategy behind it but actually you are just doing the right thing so for us the right strategy is find the creative people we appreciate and ask them to give feedback on your product and help you understand like how to run this business as well so that it always appeals to the creative people because we are building atoms for creative people who do meaningful things in their life and they will even open up their communities and their networks and their friends and family. And it's not the size of the following which matters a lot at this point. So we are very deliberate in on like who we open our website to and who we do not open to. So we are saying no to some communities because we think like we might not get right kind of feedback because we have just limited number of shoes at the moment. And so we want to make sure that first we get our shoes to the people who are the representation of our ideal customer. And that come across as a launch strategy. And some people are saying that it's a really good launch strategy. So for example, we have around 2,500 subscribers waiting on Product Hunt to get our shoes. We have our insider email list where we have several hundred people on that list. We have to deliver shoes to 179 people in the next couple of days. And then we have to work on the next one. And that is like how we are also finding cool people to work with too. Wow, really amazing. And I know that you shared a ton of insights and advice, but what kind of insights would you have to share with other e-commerce entrepreneurs who are just getting started? Like what should they focus on in your experience? So there's so many ways to do business. So you have to look at what kind of company you are also going to build and thinking too big about like what kind of like company you are going to build. Maybe you should think a lot about who is that one person who will buy your product and think deeply about that person. So there are two things which I just said. One is thinking deeply about the product and the whole story and the experience. Thinking deeply means really going deeply and, and taking your time. The other thing is like talking to your customers. Everyone says that, like talk to your user, like, hey, we hear, we follow their tweets and all of that. For example, at Atoms, what we are doing, many times people are saying, hey, your shoes are priced at too high. Can I get your shoes? Are you solving this waterproof problem? So what we do is we we follow them, we DM them, we learn more about the problem which they have so that we can we can solve them. So if you can, when you're starting off, if you can like have that sense of like who your customers are and what the use cases would look like, do that first and then build the product. If you have already launched your product, talk to your most passionate customer and also talk to your customers who are the, the biggest in number. Most of times founders think about their own companies. They don't think of the world. What I am asking you is go in the world 
figure out how your product fits into this and then make changes in your product. Yeah, absolutely. That's really critical advice. And so I know you guys have just gotten started, but what's next for you and Adams in 2018? Two things, getting our customer experience right and building the right team. So we already are testing our different customer experience with different communities. So we are trying to find like what is the sweet spot for us. So hopefully by the end of this year, we will have like, we will know like what our packaging looks like, what our home try-in experience looks like, what's the best way to try Atom's shoe sizes because we have these unique shoe sizes in system as well. And then along the side, like building our team, we just hired our head of product. We just hired our head of Asia operations. So uh, getting these two things are the most important for us, I guess, in this year, building the right experience for our customers because that will set the tune for all the coming years and also building the right team maybe because that will set the tune of the company too. Yeah, absolutely. And it's no small feat to tackle either of those things. And so on that note, are there any resources that you keep coming back to and would recommend to others? So there's so many different advices and different books and podcasts people can find out over the internet. Your podcast is is definitely one of them. I would recommend one other hack which I use is hacking Twitter toward your personal growth. So on Twitter, you can follow certain people who are good into one field. For example, in 2017 and 2016, my focus was learning about design and creativity. So what I did was I followed a few creative people. And then I looked at like what are the other creatives they appreciate. And then working back towards back. So I was following these 200 creative people and every morning like I would wake up and I would look at the Twitter feed and I would see like what they are tweeting about, what they are writing about. And then going deeper into like how they think about their work. That became a really good tool for me. So I follow people on Twitter to learn from them and maybe potentially hire them and potentially work with them. So that is like one thing which I have. It's not just another social media tool to use with and I don't use Facebook at all almost. And the third suggestion would be reading press releases. So if you are launching a phone or if you are working on an app, go and read old press releases of companies who have done something in that in past and read their actual press release. We did that a lot. We original press releases of several Apple products. We read press releases of Leica camera. We read press releases of many other Sonos speakers and this was a phone just to learn like how creative people talk about their product. Because you can learn a lot about how someone talks about their product is like what they are actually trying you to learn. So read old press releases about your product, your industry. You will learn quite a lot. It will take some time. And the second is like use Twitter in a, in a more deliberate way. If you are already using, follow the right people you want to learn for. Like just be more strategic and be more deliberate in like how you spend your time on the internet. Yeah, that's really good advice. And so we've covered a ton of different things over the course of the episode. So do you have any final thoughts or words of advice to leave us with? I would advise you to learn how to think and spend some time like learning how you already think and how you can become better at that. Because as human, for example, if you are a machine or if you are a car and every time you have to work, your tires touches the ground. So if you make your tires better, it will improve the car efficiency a lot or the fuel or any other thing. As a human, our fuel is many times how we think. We are thinking all the time and all of our life we will have to think. So if you can spend more time on like how to think and how to be better at thinking, that will help you a long way because it gets better and better every year and you will be astonished at like how much progress you have made just by being able to think more clearly and think more deeply. So that would be my final advice, I would say. Absolutely. I completely agree. 
Wakas, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the show today. It was really awesome to have you. Likewise, thank you so much. And I look forward to what people have to say about this podcast. And if there is anything I can do, I am on Twitter. My full name, Wakas Ali. Feel free to reach out and say hi. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd love to hear about it and have you share with friends. Find us on Facebook or Twitter at Hack to Start or drop us an email, pay at hacktostart.com. You can also subscribe to avoid missing any future episodes by finding Hack to Start on Apple Podcasts, Breaker Audio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening. <laughs>